Good morning to all of my quarantined friends and family. How are you holding up so far? This is now the second worship podcast and the second Sunday out of church. And we are worshiping together on this podcast, Love God and Your Neighbor. This is Pastor Laura Hutchinson, and I welcome all of you. Now, I have to admit that I miss seeing everyone on Sundays. I miss seeing your smiles. I miss hugging you and shaking your hands. And I miss hearing how everyone is doing. So I hope that you're doing well. And please text me or call me and let me know how you're doing. If I haven't had a chance to te- to call you um Yet, I am still trying to reach out to everybody, um, focusing on those who don't have uh, family at home with them. So, um, but anyway, I would love to hear from you. I'm sitting here in my living room, surrounded by my parents, my dogs, Murphy and Nellie, and my cat, Miracle, and we are worshiping together, and I hope that you are too. The upside of worshiping at home is being in cozy clothes, being curled up on your couch and not having to brush your hair or wash your face for worship. It's just us and God. And so now I encourage you to go get your communion elements, your bread and your juice to light your Christ candle and to curl up to worship the Lord alone in your homes, but spiritually connected to the whole body of Christ. We've gathered here today to worship. Worship is when we raise our faces to heaven, when we bow down before God, when we proclaim our love and express our awe and gratitude to the one who walks with us each and every day. Let us worship with full hearts in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
missing the peace of Christ is one of those things that many of us are missing the most in this service. It's a moment of pure joy when we walk around, when we shake hands or hug and say, peace of Christ and I love you. Today, in our state of quarantine, I would like you instead to send text messages to one another or make phone calls or post messages on Facebook and pass the peace of Christ in a new and meaningful way. So now, let us welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God, let us pass the peace of Christ. Today's scripture comes from Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 12. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not not visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's, Through this he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning and built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. By by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise." For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven, and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved you, neighbor, as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Hear us now as we silently confess our sins. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We are forgiven. Glory be to God the Almighty. Amen. Now is the time that we come together again to share our prayer concerns and our prayer requests. Um, we continue to pray for Jana's father-in-law, Carl Sutherland, uh, for uh, Chris's father, Carl Sutherland, who has been diagnosed with cancer very recently. Um, we pray for Connie, Larissa's grandmother, who is at home with congestive heart failure and other issues. We pray for Maria's daughter, who is homeless in Boulder, Colorado. We pray for all of the members of our church who are themselves homeless. Um, I've tried to go out and find them a few times to let them know about our food that we have for them, um, to try and see how they're doing, and I haven't been able to find any of them. So please keep them in your prayers. Um, and also all of the other people who are homeless or who are hungry or who don't have the resources to stock up on food, um, toilet paper, and all of the things that, that they need to get through this. We pray for our shut-ins for Leela Davis and for Lois Downing and for Kay Mundy. 
And we pray for those who are in the military, for Hunter and Drake and Nikki. We pray for our friends in the nursing home, for Jim Stillman and James Holsey. And I ask you to remember them um, as they cannot get visitors right now, uh, to send them cards and notes to help them know how loved they are and that they are not alone. We are praying for those who are waiting for deportation at the Etowah prison in Gadsden. We're also praying for Beth Thomason. She's the pastor of Madison Christian Church. Uh, A few weeks ago, she fell off of a ladder. I believe she fell about 10 feet um, and broke both her legs and her arms. She's had surgery on all of those breaks, I think. Um, Anyway, she is currently recovering at a rehab facility. And so I ask you to keep her in your prayers and her church. Um, As her church, um, I think, tries to navigate through this coronavirus um, with their leader who is currently incapacitated. Um, She's probably still working from the rehab center if I know her. But anyway, please keep Beth and Madison Christian Church in your prayers. Um, We pray for our church, our community, and our world as we seek to control and limit the coronavirus. We ask for prayers for Sylvia Deli. She is a friend of our families. She is in ICU in Atlanta with COVID-19, and I haven't heard an update on her today, but please just continue to keep her in your prayers. My sister has asked for uh, prayers for her colleagues who are struggling hard financially and economically. They're all in sales, uh, primarily in uh, the women's fashion industry, uh, wholesale mostly, and so please pray for them. They're making very difficult decisions. They're having to lay off um, employees. They're they're just it's just a very hard time. We are celebrating the fact that Griffin's dad, who we prayed for last week, is home from surgery and he is doing better. He's still recovering. It was major surgery, and so just pray for him that he continues to heal and uh, gets better. Prayers for the parents while schools are canceled, especially those who have to work and for those who suddenly find themselves in the role of teacher. Um, I can't imagine. So my prayers are with you. Our prayers are with you. And I hope uh, I hope that that is going well for you. Frida has asked for prayers because the palms of her hands are itching and peeling terribly. She sent me a picture of them. Oh, it just looks awful. And this is because she is allergic to every single hand washing, sanitizing product and cleaning product that she has to use in order to stay sterile from the COVID-19 or from uh, the coronavirus. Um, and so please pray for her that uh, that her hands will heal and that the itching will go away because she has to keep washing her hands. She has to keep sanitizing. That's just where we are right now. Um, again, remember Jim, who is in the nursing home, and his wife, Pat. Um, and again, please remember to send notes and things like that. And then Vicki has also asked for uh, continued prayers for Jacksonville Health and Rehab, where she works, and all of her quarantine patients. Please keep them safe, God. And Matt has asked for prayers for unemployed waiters and service workers. And then finally, we have prayers for the council members and women, uh, councilmen and women, for the governors, the senators, the presidents, the prime ministers, the ministers, the bosses, the CEOs, and all of the leaders of our world who are doing their best to do right by the people that they lead. So we pray that God will guide them to perfect wisdom and goodness, 
to give them rest that they need for their clear thinking and to give them the resources that they need to lead this world through the crisis. Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious and loving God. These are strange and uncertain times. We come to you with just an unbelievable range of emotions. Many are scared or worried. Many are confused and anxious. Many are happy to be home with their children. Many are watching the news, wondering what's going to happen next. And so, God, we ask that you be with everyone. We ask that you be with the members of First Christian Church, with those who are listening to this podcast today. We ask that you be with those in our communities and in our states and in our countries and in our world. And we ask you, God, to bring everyone peace and comfort in your Holy Spirit. Whatever it is that we're feeling right now, whether we are healthy, whether we are sick, whether we are anxious or at peace, we pray that you be with each and every person, Lord, and let them know that you are with them. Lord, my prayer for this world is that in this time of quarantine, that people will draw nearer to you, that they will lean into you and that they will put their trust in you. I pray that each person's capacity for love for you will grow during this time of isolation. Lord, may we all learn to love you more and more every day. May we feel your love for us more and more every day. And we pray that this time can be a time of spiritual cleansing and personal renewal rather than a time of fear and devastation. Lord, we also pray for this earth. It seems as if, as we are being sequestered, the earth is healing from our absence. And for that, we are grateful. The waters and the canals in Venice and the streams and the rivers are clearing. The air in China is becoming purified. We pray, God, that we are able to see more and more beautiful, wonderful benefits of this coronavirus pandemic. While we know that people are suffering, God, and we pray that you end their suffering, we pray that your hand might be able to turn this into something positive, something beautiful. We do not believe that you caused the virus, but we know that you, in your goodness and perfect wisdom and everything and in your love for us, can turn this into something great for the world at large. Lord, we pray that you be with your church as we are unable to meet in person. 
Help us to remain strong as the body of Christ. Help our witness of love and your goodness be strong in this world. And help us, Lord, to be a witness and a representation of the peace of Christ and the peace of the Holy Spirit that surpasses all understanding. Hear us now as we pray the prayer your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So the question of the day is, what is faith? 
The Oxford Dictionary defines faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if we combine the secular with the religious, we know that religious faith is having complete trust or confidence in someone that we have not yet seen and yet believe is there. And in Christianity, our faith is in one God who we believe manifested himself as Jesus out of a deep and profound love for creation. Having faith in something is easier when you can see it or hear it or touch it, and it's easier when that something or someone has proven to be dependable in the past. But what about blind faith, the kind of faith that God calls us to? What about taking the leap to trust in God, even when you have no proof that God exists? I talked a little bit about this in last week's sermon on obedience. We saw then how Abraham, the father of the Jews, stepped out in faith and obeyed God. This God whom he had not really known before, and in faith he did what God asked of him, and uprooted his whole household, left everything he knew, and traveled to an unknown land forever. It reminds me of a scene from the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. In this scene, Indiana is following his father's written instructions through an ancient maze to find the Holy Grail. He comes upon a great chasm several hundred feet across and so deep he couldn't see the bottom. His father's notes show a drawing of a person stepping out into the void. And so Indiana decides to trust his father. He takes a deep breath, closes his eyes, and steps out over the chasm. Everyone watching the movie holds their breath, just knowing that they're about to see Indiana Jones plummet to his death. But suddenly something stops his fall, and then the camera angle shifts, and a sturdy bridge appears, and you realize that it had been hidden by an optical illusion. Seeing Indiana Jones step out over that chasm is the perfect illustration of what faith in God can be like. It's counterintuitive. It makes no sense. It can feel risky, if not dangerous. And yet it rewards us with the ability to move forward towards things we could never reach without trusting God. So how is your faith today? Is it strong and unwavering? Or do you feel yourself standing on shaky ground? Are you new in your faith? Or is your faith broken in and comfortable? Or have you called yourself a Christian for a really long time, but life has proven the theology you've been taught to have huge gaping holes that no longer hold water? And do you feel yourself struggling because of it? Well, our scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews, and it tells us of four people who the writer perceived to have had a strong faith in God, Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham. As far as we know, none of them adhered to a well-thought-out theology. They lived with no doctrine, no creeds, no belief system that was taught to them about God. They had no law to follow and no commandments from God. These guys didn't even have scriptures or any writings at all to teach them about who God was. And yet, they are held up as the great patriarchs of our tradition and are looked to as examples of the kind of faith God wants from all of us. 
Now, I'm particularly interested in Noah and Abraham simply because there's more written about them in Genesis, though it is clear that God was pleased with Abel and with Enoch as well. So what can they teach us about the kind of faith that God is looking for from us? Well, the main thing is that their faith was simple and uncomplicated. You've heard the phrase, don't overthink it, right? It's a suggestion that I feel a lot of Christians probably need to adopt, as I think overthinking things is a hazard for most of us. For one thing, we like to pile on rules, commandments, creeds, doctrine, philosophies, theologies, protocols, procedures, and everything else onto our spiritual lives, and it can honestly get super tedious. The fact is, all God wants is for us to believe he exists. And yes, I said he, but that's only for convenience, to be honest. I don't actually believe God has a gender, and I don't think God cares one bit whether we perceive God as male, female, or something other. God just wants us to believe God is there. And then God wants us to trust and love him the way he loves us. That's it. And that's what our guys in our scripture today did. They just loved and worshipped God. We are so good at complicating matters when it comes to what we believe about God. We get so bogged down in all the questions that we lose sight of why we're even here. Questions like, does God love sinners even if they don't ask for forgiveness? Are some sins worse than others? How many times should I pray each day? Does God love homosexuals? Should we say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Are we supposed to sprinkle or dunk when we baptize? Do we bow our heads? Do we look up to heaven? Or do we prostrate ourselves before God when we pray? Are we saved if we don't speak in tongues? Are women allowed to wear pants? Are men allowed to grow their hair out? Do we drink wine, grape juice, or something else like Diet Coke during communion? Are women allowed to teach or preach? Are children allowed to take communion? Should we use technology in worship? Should we play instruments or sing a cappella? Are you saved if you're not baptized? Is it still the Bible if it's not the King James Version? Honestly, it's exhausting. And I suspect all completely irrelevant. As a pastor and a theologian, I love to ponder all the questions, big and small, but I don't believe most of those questions matter very much to God. All our patriarchs did was believe in the one true God and trust God to take care of them, and God was pleased. Abel gave a sincere offering to God, and God was pleased. God told Noah to build a boat, and Noah did, and God was pleased. God told Abraham to move his life to a distant land, and Abraham did, and God was pleased. Their faith was simple, and God was pleased. The thing is, our patriarchs knew little about God, yet they loved, trusted, honored, and obeyed God throughout their lives. All we know about Abel is that he offered up a better sacrifice to God than his brother, and God was pleased with him. We know that Enoch honored and pleased God so much that God simply took him up into heaven, and he apparently never even died. But Noah and Abraham, the details given about their faithfulness paints pictures so vivid 
that we can't help but take notice. Notice Noah was living at a time when humanity was so corrupted by its own sinfulness, God actually believed it was a good idea to scrap it all and start over. Can you imagine? But Noah was righteous, so God saw fit to warn him and to give him a way to save himself and his family. Oh, and the entire animal kingdom as well, of course. So he was given the completely insane task of building a boat in his backyard big enough to hold two of every animal on the planet. And here's the kicker. He did it. Even while his neighbors mocked him, he heard God. He believed God and he obeyed God. Was Noah perfect? Not by a long shot. Was he a sinner? For sure. And yet he was faithful and God rewarded his faith. Similarly, Abraham was also faithful. God spoke to him, told him to uproot his extremely comfortable life and move all his family, his servants, his livestock, and his possessions and go, well, somewhere. And rather than sit around and ponder all of the practical and theological implications of God's request, he just did it. And was Abraham perfect? Lord, no. Was he a sinner? Big time. But his faith in God never wavered, and he became the father of billions of descendants. And the most important thing I want to focus on is that while God promised them great things, some of them never lived to witness God's promise fulfilled. And still they continued to have faith in God, no matter what. You see, faith is not something we have as long as we're getting what we want and need in a timely manner. God promised Abraham countless descendants, and yet he was almost 100 years old, and he still had no children. His wife, Sarah, who was barren, well, she lost faith, but Abraham never did. He was almost dead and still believed God would keep his promise. So often we give up hope because we've been waiting so long for what we need or want, but God just wants us to have faith in him. Right now, the coronavirus seems so scary, we ask God to hurry up and take it away. And God says, have faith. We watch the stock market bottom out every day and the world panics. What if it doesn't recover and we lose everything? And God says, have faith. We've been told by our employers that we can no longer pay, that they can no longer pay us because no one is going out and buying right now. And God says, have faith in me. Your loved one is in ICU. And God says, have faith. I am here. God wants to know that we know God is with us no matter what happens in our lives, no matter where life takes us. And God wants to know that we love God the way God loves us no matter what. Our patriarchs are remembered to this day because they held firm to their faith in God, even when they knew they would never see God's promise fulfilled in their lifetime, because they knew God would keep his promise anyway. Hebrews goes on to say this, All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confess that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. 
If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. The most important thing about faith is that it recognizes that this is not the most important part of our story. Faith tells us that God has so much more for us than what our eyes can see and our minds can imagine. Having faith in God allows us to desire a better country. At first, that country we desire to be better is the one that we have in this life. And ultimately, we desire a heavenly country, an eternal one with God. So keep the faith, my friends. Keep it simple and pure, believing in God, believing that God loves you, and trusting the direction that God leads you today and for all eternity. God is with you. God does love you. And all God wants is for you to believe in and to have faith in God. Amen? Amen. You are loved by God so profoundly, so perfectly, so completely that you will never fully comprehend it. And in God's love for you, he yearns for you and for your love. So I invite you now to give yourself to God if you haven't already. To give yourself to God in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to dedicate your life to him. Open yourself up to the love that is so freely given. Amen. Amen. As you all know, the ministry of First Christian Church does not stop, even in a quarantine. Judy continues to work each day in the office. Gerald and I are working together to provide beautiful music for our worship experiences. I'm continuing to reach out to everyone every day, and we are creating this podcast for you to worship at home. Our food for the homeless box is staying stocked, and the bills must continue to be paid. But when we don't meet in person, the tithes and offerings can easily dry up. So I'm asking you to please continue to give to First Christian Church. Please write a check and mail it tomorrow. Or tithe online with a debit or credit card or with PayPal. I want to thank those who are not even members of First Christian Church, but who have mailed checks in this week. They were small, but they were generous, and they were given with love. And so now, this week, I would like to invite you to go now to www.fccanniston, that's F-C-C-A-N-N-I-S-T-O-N dot O-R-G, and scroll down to the bottom of the page to find the Donate Now button. I invite you to give with love and faith. 
I invite you to give now. In the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, we celebrate an open table. This table was set by Jesus, and he invites everyone who wants to remember him to come and eat at this table. Our founders, Barton W. Stone and Alexander Campbell, believed in the idea of unity among all Christians. They believed that we are one because we love Jesus, because we believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, that he lived, that he died, that he was resurrected, and that through him we are all forgiven of our sins. All of the other stuff falls away when we recognize that the love of Christ is the only thing that matters. And so when you come to this table today, know that Jesus loves you, that Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, loved us so much that he would die for us so that we who were disobedient could be forgiven of our sins once and for all. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for this bread and for this cup. We thank you for this table that has been set for us. We ask that you be with us, Lord, as we remember your sacrifice. Guide us and guide our hearts towards a more obedient life, living in your will in all things. We pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread or drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to eat of the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. And the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Please join me in the litany of remembrance. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ will come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. As we leave this worship service, I encourage you to go forward into your life. Walk in faith with the Lord. Know that God is with you always. And that no matter what, you can put your faith in God. Go in peace. I love you.